What's up, everybody? We have a great episode for you today. Pat and I break down National Signing Day, look ahead to the Citrus Bowl, talk about some of our players that might declare early, and then we have an awesome, awesome, awesome interview with former Penn State tight end Adam Brenneman. Definitely stick around for that. He gave us some really great insights, just an all-around great conversation. Let's get it. gentlemen welcome back to another edition of no names all game it has been a while uh today is december 20th we are recording pat and i are back on the east coast uh visiting our families for the holiday pat how you doing man doing pretty well i'm uh back in jersey having a taste of the local delicacies you know a couple of sandwiches here sandwiches as they say in my neck of the woods sandwiches yes feeling good yeah, I did. Uh, I did the same. As soon as I got back to New York, I've had bagels and pizza pretty nonstop. So it's uh, it's good to be back on the East Coast for sure. Uh, yeah, we haven't really talked since the end of the season. Uh, so definitely some things to cover. Uh, we got a great interview coming up at the end of this episode with Adam Brenneman. Definitely stick around for that. Had a really great time with him. Um, gave a lot of good insight on on things from from his recruiting process and playing days that that we just didn't see as as fans so really cool um big shout out to him thanks for having him on we'll definitely have him on again um but what i want to start with is recruiting yesterday was national signing day uh early national signing day if you will um but just a huge huge day uh for college football in general and definitely for penn state so i am i'm a bit of a recruiting nut Uh, we were talking a little bit before you you follow it but probably not not quite as closely yeah yes i would say i get a lot of my recruiting news from you okay awesome that's what i'm here for um i am yeah i'm I'm the kid who like follows all the high schoolers on on twitter i've learned my lesson not to tweet at kids because that's just absurd don't do it yeah Um, good they are are children they're kids yeah don't don't tweet them whenever they pick a school whenever they pick a school so be it move on um but a great day for penn state so keep in mind this is the early signing period so the full uh full signing day will be first week of february uh, so there's still a lot of top top commits out there that are or top prospects that are not committed um but we've got some early rankings so so penn state lands uh this is all going to be per 24 7 sports they're my favorite recruiting service penn state lands at number 10 overall um, had 18 commits signed, sealed, and delivered, uh, and it was it was a really good day. Uh, a couple of things that stick out for me: um, no no last minute drama. We didn't have any of our guys that were verbally committed flip uh, this class. We only had two verbals flip really in the whole cycle. Uh, one was an offensive lineman that literally committed to us for a week before flipping to Northwestern, I think. So I don't really count him. Uh, and then the other one was Emery Simmons, a pretty good wide receiver who actually would have been a nice addition, uh, ended up going back to North Carolina with Mac Brown. That was a couple of weeks ago. These things happen. Um, keeping your guys on signing day is such a huge win. Uh, so like I said, we got 18 guys, one five-star headline headliner of the class, Brandon Smith, linebacker U. Uh, we get 16 four-stars and then one three-star uh, who is a, a Juco prospect and, and the top at his position anyway. So a lot of times those Juco guys do get lower rankings. Um, Really nice surprise for us on the day was uh, running back Noah Kane out of IMG Academy down in Florida makes the call for Penn State. Uh, if you follow us on Twitter, I've been tracking over the last probably week and a half. We went from having like an 8% chance to landing him to on signing day. We were the odds on favorite and, and he picked us, which was awesome. Uh, you pair him with Devin Ford. That gives us two top 10 running backs in the country, which is just Awesome. Uh, we'll talk about kind of Miles, Miles Sanders' future a little bit later, but we are we are continuing that running back pipeline, um, which is f- fucking fantastic. Uh, two quarterbacks in this cycle. This is something that Franklin has said for a while that he wants five scholarship quarterbacks, uh, and he's going to get it. So we get we get two guys. We get Michael Johnson Jr. out of Oregon, and then Taquan Roberson, both four star guys, both dual dual threats. Um, fit right into the system so that's really exciting Um, and just a a lot of a lot of good kids I mean this is this is a really really good class so um, I'm rambling but I'm I'm almost done so stay with me people Uh, rankings rankings come out uh, like class rankings based on your cumulative total like each recruit gets a rating 
And the cumulative total is how you get your ranking. That's how we land at 10. So we have 18 total commits. Bama has 26. Of course, their total cumulative is going to be more. They got more guys, right? Um, so something that a lot of people have started tracking is the average rating of your recruits. So regardless of how many you have, what's, what's the quality of guys you're getting? And when you look at it that way, we actually come in fourth behind only Alabama, Georgia, and narrowly Ohio State. They're like less than a tenth of a percent ahead of us. Uh, so yes, a little bit of a smaller class. We're still going to add a couple guys on, on the February signing day, um, but just a, a t- on both sides of the ball. Uh, we got a really good wide receiver. We got a, some great O-linemen, uh, Adisa Isaac, a great D-lineman that joined in. I, I could list them all, but just a really, really great day for Penn State football. So if you love recruiting, this was a huge day. If you don't love recruiting, listen to that five-minute spiel and now you're caught up. Yeah, um, so, I mean, the you covered a great point about really no last-minute drama. And for all your – no, that's, that's our doorbell. Hold on. <laughs> uh, for all, like, you fire Franklin people out there, want to come play for them. And they, they want to stay when they get there. I, I mean, I, I think that's really all you need to see from that. Um, I, like a lot of you guys, was, uh, you know, because I see all these news about these great recruits were, that are signing up. And I'm wondering, I was wondering how we only came in at 10, to be honest. And the whole average star thing, uh, like you explained, really makes a lot of sense. And even James Franklin kind of hopped on that, where he was saying that we came in at 10 and we had a smaller class, but he thinks our quality of recruits was probably like top five. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it's one of those things. Listen, ratings, ratings matter only X percent, right? When you get on the football field, however many stars you have, doesn't matter. We've heard the stories about the two stars that go on to be pro bowlers, J.J. Watt, Russell Wilson. You know, you hear those and then you hear about the five-star busts. It, it happens. But it's a good indicator. It's, it, it's, the, it's the building blocks of your program. you got to get talent in there and then hope they pan out. So really good day. I, I love the events they put on. It's, I, I tweeted, that's like a life goal of mine, and it may sound really stupid, but I would love to be in that room one day, like covering that event. Um, Franklin FaceTimes with every recruit in the family. It's just, it's awesome, awesome atmosphere. So um, maybe one of these, uh, one of these off season episodes when we're, we're looking for stuff to cover, I'll do a, a detailed breakdown of all of our kids. But for right now, all you need to know, really, really good day. And a couple more, probably big pieces coming uh, in that, in that February signing. So. And also when you think about the makeup of the team we already have, it's mostly underclassmen. Yeah. So, a, a smaller class with higher quality is definitely more of what we want than a big class with medium quality. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you're always, you know, you only have so many recruiting or so many scholarship spots. Um, you want to get the best people in there. And uh, one last tidbit I'll give you here, Brandon Smith, who again is our, our top ranked guy, five star uh, since 24 seven has been, recording like ratings he comes in as the eighth overall prospect that penn state has ever landed uh give you that list he's the number two linebacker in the country right yeah i mean depending on who you ask he's he's one he's two uh most most uh most most places have him at a top 20 to 25 player overall uh in the country so he's yeah he's absolutely electric you pair him with micah parsons with uh jesse lucada with lance dixon some of these other guys it's Linebacker is going to be a serious strength in the next couple of years. Yeah, what I'm hearing about uh, this Brandon Smith kid is that the, the ability is off the charts. The only thing people are saying, like, kind of negatively about him is that he has to, you know, hit the weight room and fill out a little bit, which, of course, you know, they'll they'll do that once he gets there. Yeah, absolutely. He's 6'4", 228. He's an inside linebacker, so he'll fill out. And the good thing, too, is, I mean, out of these 18, 18 commits, I think we have at least 10 or 11 of them that are going to be enrolling early. So they get that full semester in the weight room before the summer even hits. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 a good day for Penn State recruiting. Absolutely. All righty. Uh, with that, let's focus to the bowl game. <laughs> we haven't really talked about yes. the bowl game at all. So we are, uh, like I said, recording this December 20th. Bowl game is January 1st. Citrus Bowl. We have the Kentucky Wildcats. So, um I'm definitely not a Kentucky expert. I don't know if you are either, but let's set the stage real quick. Uh, they are 9-3 and three on the season, ended ranked number 14. We are same record, ranked number 12. Uh, Vegas has us as about a 6.5-point favorite, 7-point favorite right now. Over-under is at 47.5. So what's your, what's your initial take on all this, Pat? Um, so Kentucky is a team that I think we should beat, but definitely makes me nervous 
mostly because of their running game. They've got a great running back in this uh, Snell Jr. kid. Uh, he's, he's declaring for the NFL. Um, I think the reports I'm seeing say that he plans on playing in the bowl game, though. Yep. Which, to be honest, I'd, I'd rather beat them at their best than without their best player. I agree. Uh, their passing game. So, I mean, this kid, Snell, uh, 1,300 yards in the season with 14 rushing touchdowns. And he averages five yards a carry. Our run defense is at times suspect. But I think after the Michigan game, you really saw us sure that up with those wins against Wisconsin um, and who else was it? And Maryland, you know, no big plays against either of those teams. Yep. No big rushing yards. Yep. Um, and they're, unlike Michigan, they really don't have a passing game to write home about. Um, their quarterback, he averages like 150 yards a game, and he's got 11 touchdowns to eight interceptions. Oh, wow. And so his, his completion percentage is actually pretty high, at like almost 68%. But with only, you know, hundred, you know, roughly 150 to 170 yards a game, he's not throwing big passes. Yeah, that makes and, sense. You know, our, our secondary is such an unbelievable strength on our defense that I think their passing game will be very ineffective. Yeah. I, and I could definitely see some interceptions happening. Yeah, I agree. I'm kind of looking at their, their season stats here. So they are, you know, averaging 160 passing, 200 rushing, which is just crazy, averaging 200 rushing yards a game. I mean, we're doing it too, but still. Yeah. Um, and we're allowing, you know, less than that. So, it, yeah, I, I think we have a strength there. I, I'll tell you what, I mean, as good as Benny Snell is, I'm, I'm looking at Josh Allen on the defense there, um, linebacker, yes. edge rusher, whatever you want to classify him as. They're talking about him as a top five pick. He is disruptive. Um, and, again, he is yeah, – I, I shouldn't have called Snell their best player. <laughs> no, offensively he is, of course. Yeah. Um, but defensively, yeah, th- this guy, Josh Allen, and he's going to play too. He said he's playing in the game and – uh, he's yeah. Our offensive line is, is going to have a fit with him. Um, I look at their schedule. So, so, I, you know, it's, for me, it's tough because Kentucky think basketball. I've never once thought of them as a football school, but obviously they're having a damn good year. Nine and three ranks number 14. So I went to look at like, okay, where do their wins come from? And they actually have a couple of impressive ones. Uh, so they beat Florida early on, which everyone, uh, you know, was talking about. That was a big one for them. Florida ended the season ranked 25th. So that's quality win. Yeah, they beat up on Mississippi State uh, early in the season. So it was week four. Uh, they beat Mississippi State 28 to seven uh, Mississippi State. That's Joe Moorhead's new home. They had a great year themselves. They finished ranked number 14 um, or wait, maybe they were 14 when they when they started. I'm I, just saying Kentucky finished 14. Yeah, I'm, so I'm not reading this right, but, but you get the point. Uh, I'm looking at the schedule. So this is their ranking when they played them. Sorry. So Florida <laughs> was 25 when they played them. Mississippi State was 14 when they played them. Um, that's a quality win. Um, the rest of them are, you know, some of the, the lower lower teams. But, yeah, all in all, it's like I, I don't see I don't see a whole lot of, like, differences uh, amongst their resume versus ours. It's actually, on paper, looks like a decent matchup. Yeah, it does. Um, I guess the, the big blemish for them would be the bad loss to Tennessee, mm. who really isn't that great. Right, right. And for the record, stats department just came back. Mississippi State finished 18th, not 14th. So still, quality win for them. Um, what did Florida finish? They finished pretty high, didn't they? Uh, let's find out. Uh, if my internet would load, it won't load right now. We'll get back to you on that one. Um, yeah, I think I think I think we have an advantage with our defense. Like you said, our defense came on those last couple games, played really really well. Um, I, I like that matchup. Um, and then, honestly, our offense started coming together, too. Like, this is a tough one, and, and you'll hear uh, Adam. Florida finished 10, by the way. Wow, okay. So that's a very good win. Yeah, quality win, absolutely. Um, this is this is sort of like a trap for us, because you, you'll hear Adam say this in the, in the interview as well. If we beat Kentucky, people say, good, you should have beat them. If we lose, it's like, oh, shit, you lost to Kentucky. Um, yeah. So I do. I on feel, top of that, with the whole, the whole SEC Big Ten, thing. right? Exactly. So I overall, I feel I feel pretty good about this game. I think you know, obviously, any sort of injury concerns that Trace might have had, he's had more than enough time to heal now. Um, hopefully, he gets you know, you know, one more bang to go out on. Uh, obviously, we've seen Miles just continue to tear it up. We've seen the young receivers, the young tight end, come along. Like I feel confident. What I say, the under over was forty seven or something. Uh, absolutely, taking the yeah. over on that one hundred percent. 
Um, I haven't, I haven't bet in a while, guys. So this is going to be a big one. Uh, hopefully you're with me on this, but 47 and a half. I think we score. I think we score 38 ourselves. Um, so we'll see. Uh, that's yeah. That's about my enough of my expertise on on this game. Yeah. What else, also, uh, other outside of um, what's his name on defense, Allen, Josh Allen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, their defense really is nothing to write home about. Their pass defense pretty decent. Only they're letting up 181 yards a game. That's not a tremendous amount, but it's not, you know, low either. Yeah. But they're they're letting up 150 yards. Per game on the ground, almost. Yeah. So and we're averaging. I, we should be plus. able to take advantage of that. Yeah, I agree. Um, and and I think this is one too where you, you see, you have so much time to plan for it. Like you, some coaches thrive on that. And we've talked about this with with bye weeks, right? Some co- coaches thrive on on the extra time. Some teams get kind of anxious and restless, and it actually hurts them. Like I I don't know. I just I feel I feel really good about this game. Um, which I've said a lot this season and ended up not being right. But overall, I just, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a good, good exclamation point on this season. Um, like we said, this is our chance to go back to back to back with 10 win seasons. I think, I think this team wants to do it for the seniors, for everything that they've gone through. I just, I see us coming out fired up for this one. Oh, I totally agree. Um, you know, K- Kentucky is it's a team that has the potential to make me nervous with their, you know, big player on defense and their ability to run the ball on offense. But overall, I definitely think we're the better team. Um, We're a more complete team. We can pass better. Our pass defense is definitely better. And I just, I think as long as I'll put it this way, if both teams play their best game, Penn state wins. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only thing that scares me, we were just talking about how Josh Allen is, you know, their best defender and they don't have much outside of that. I mean, the yards definitely, but dude, they're only letting up 16 points a game uh, on the season. So that's impressive. We're averaging 35 that we're scoring. They're only letting up 16. Something's got to give. I do like, I do like our offense to, to win that battle. Um, But yeah, I think, I think it's a good matchup. I really do. I'm kind of happy with it. I think it's, Again, it's it's something that's going to be a good game, not not a, a shitty bowl that will go in and just destroy someone, um, but not one where we're going to go in and get steamrolled either, hopefully. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm excited for it. It's uh, January 1st. Going to watch it at home with the family. Uh, what are you doing for the game? Anything crazy? Um, I'll be back in L.A. Oh, nice. So, hopefully I don't have to work that day so I can get drunk for the game. There you go. <laughs> but if not, I'll still be watching. Nice, nice. Yeah, I will be at home in New York. Uh, I'll watch it with the fam, and then I actually fly back that night. Um, so let's let's wrap up the game talk with some predictions. Give me, a, give me your score prediction. Who's winning this? What's the margin? What do we got? All right, Penn State, obviously winning this game. Of course. Uh, I, I would say, I don't think it's going to be a super high-scoring affair. I could see, like, a 28-17. Okay. I actually had it uh, very similar, but just a little bit higher. I actually have it 38 17. Uh, good guys winning it. Ooh. Like I said, I, just, I, I think, I don't know, I, I got a good feeling. I think it's, I think this team is ready to roll. Uh, people are healthy. We get the mo going uh, and it just doesn't stop. Yeah. Like, just, I don't know. I, I, like I need it. this one. I like it. I like the confidence. Absolutely. Need it. Need it. Need it. All right. Uh, so, last thing we'll do here, and then we'll get into our interview. Um, We've talked a couple times now about guys that we think might leave early. Um, the three names that we're hearing that, that are, are a little bit more pressing than others are, are Miles Sanders, Sharif Miller, and Connor McGovern. There was an article that came out uh, a couple days ago that said um, none of them will make an announcement until after the game. Uh, Sharif apparently said he has made his decision and he will make an announcement after the game. Miles says he hasn't really thought about it. Connor says he hasn't really thought about it. So let's go through that list, and, and we're going to make our final predictions. Do they stay? Do they leave? Let's let's start with Sharif because he has he has uh, explicitly said he's made his decision. To me, that sounds like he's leaving. Uh, what are your yeah, thoughts? Yeah, I was going to say the whole "I've made my decision, I'll announce it after the game." Absolutely sounds like he's going. And on top of that, um, I think he knows what he's leaving behind, and like, it's it, this is not a a unit that's going to fall apart with him, you know, leaving. He's, he's leaving behind, like, a great unit and, a, like, kind of a good legacy, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's had a really good year. And, you know, I've, I've talked about before how 
we've seen some of our D linemen go early and, and not pan out. And, and I actually saw a couple of them tweeting the other day because some fan was, was an idiot on Twitter and like chirping Sharif of, oh, you're, you're not going to pan out. You're not going to do this. Like, you're going to be just like Dion Barnes. And like, people don't understand that people can see their tweets. So like Dion saw it and responded. He's like, hey, I made a decision for myself. Like, I don't care what you think. I made what was best for me. And, you know, everything works out for a reason. And then Garrett Sickles replied back, like, agreeing. So, yeah, we've had we've had some guys that unfortunately hasn't worked out for. But at the end of the day, if you have a chance to go get paid, get money, and live out your dream of being in the NFL, like, who are we to say come back, you know? Yeah, and I mean, I think an extra year in college probably means a lot more to your draft stock than it does to how well you end up panning out in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I don't, I don't like in some, in some positions, maybe I think you get an extra year of, of learning and experience and it, it helps. It actually does help you develop more, but I agree. Quarterback is about it. Yeah. I mean, I think linemen, like offensive linemen too, um, you get bigger, you get stronger. Um, I don't know. But but I agree. I think I think for Sharif, if, if he's ready, if he's going, I wish him the best of luck. Of course, I'd love to have him back. I would love to have everyone back for another year. Um, but it sounds sounds like he's going to be leaving us. Uh, so we'll have some some more guys to plug into that defensive line along with uh, Itor Grossmatos. Next Hell one, yeah. let's do uh, Connor McGovern, offensive lineman. Uh, if you remember last year, he played center and he was fantastic. Uh, this year, we slid him over to right guard. Still pretty pretty good for most of the year. Uh, actually slid back into center for a couple games when Mennett couldn't play it and was just flawless. So I, I don't know where he projects, if, if teams would want him as a center or a guard, but in, interior lineman nonetheless. Uh, what's your what's your firm, bold prediction? Is he going or is he staying? I think he stays, um, or at least I think it would be the right decision for him to stay. Uh, I don't see his draft stock being unbelievably high. He's shown, obviously, uh, his I guess his big market um, – you know, value above other guys is the versatility that he could go center or guard. And that's great. But it, it's not like he is a guy getting a ton of national hype. And generally, especially for linemen, unless that's the case, you don't want to leave early. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what I was talking about there about being a lineman. Um, yeah, I didn't think he was getting a lot of hype either. And, and we're, we're kind of getting into draft season now. Um, it was a couple months ago, Mel Kuyper had him as like a top interior lineman. Um, and I don't trust Mel Kuyper on, on everything, but, you know, his name is being thrown around there. Um, I've seen some mock drafts where they have him listed in like the top 10 of his position or so. Um, my prediction, I think he comes back. Um, would I be shocked if he goes? No, but I, I'm going to predict he comes back because, again, I think it's one of those with, with linemen as well. If you're not going to go in like the first or second round, I think coming back can improve your draft stock so, so, so much. So Agreed. I think he comes back uh, if he goes. So be it. Again, best of luck to him. Love that dude. He's a mauler in the interior there, but uh, but I hope he does come back. Saving the best for last, my guy, Miles Sanders, running back extraordinaire. Um, I have been pretty vocal uh, on on this show and and on the internet, Twitter, that I, I really could see him leaving. And I, I think a lot of it makes sense because of the year that he has had, because of the class that is going into this draft, because of the value that NFL teams are starting to put on running backs again. I'm going to predict he leaves. Um, do I hope he comes back? Of course, you know, but I think he leaves. And I mentioned at the top, we got a couple more young studs coming in. Like we've got a very talented running back room. I just, I don't know. I, I see it all. I see the stars kind of all aligning for him to say, yes, this is the right decision for me right now. And, and I think he goes. Yeah. So as, as much as I'm sure he hated hearing about it all season, he kind of got the benefit of all, all off season and all beginning of the season. Everyone was asking themselves, can Miles Sanders hold up to Saquon Barkley? Mm -hmm. And he did. So he, he had all this attention on him coming into the season as a, you know, basically as an unproven commodity and he totally delivered that's going to be a huge benefit benefit to him for his draft stock and then as you mentioned this is not a great running back class and it looks like next year's could turn out to be a very good one yeah for that reason i i am also leaning towards leaving but i also have the sense that he feels like he's got something left to prove at penn state so that might be the reason he stays 
Yeah, I could see that. I mean, like you said, he had a stellar year, you know, 1,200 yards, averaging six yards a carry, uh, only nine touchdowns on the ground. But I, I, that doesn't worry me. If, I, if I'm an NFL evaluator, if I'm a, if I'm a scout, that's the word I'm looking for, I look at this kid as, all right, he's got the measurables. He's got the skill. He's going to test really well. Like, if he goes to the combine, I've said that before. Like, he's, he's definitely <coughs> a good athlete. He won't put up the four 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 threes that that Saquon was running, but – He's got enough speed. He's got enough strength that teams are going to like this guy. So I, I think, again, from a business decision, you put all those together. And, yeah, I, I, I hope I hope that if he goes, he succeeds so, so much because what he's done for us this year. And, of course, this could be said about all of our players and all the guys that leaves. But Miles in particular, like you said, he has <clears throat> delivered so, so much. And, and I, I really wish the best for that dude. Yeah, I mean, whatever his decision is, I'm sure it's the right one. Absolutely. He's a, he's a smart guy. Yep. He's going to make the right choice for him. Um, and like you said, I'd love to have him back, but I'd also love to see him, you know, do on, go on and do great things. Yeah, and exactly. either one, I think, you know, it is going to be great for him. Yep. And we'll do uh, – so, so those are the three. Like I said, there might be some other surprises that declare. I doubt it. But maybe another offensive lineman or one of the D tackles decides they're ready. I don't think so, but we'll wait and see. Um, kind of after all the news comes out, we'll do an episode where we break down, um, you know, who's going to who's gonna backfill those guys, right? There, there's going to be a D-end that's going to step up and, and replace Sharif. Obviously, we saw Ricky Slade this year, but there's also Journey Brown and Devin Ford and Noah Kane now. So there's a lot of exciting things to come. But for now, great recruiting day. Excited for the bowl. Excited for the future of our guys. Pat, anything else for the fans? Um. Yeah, have a great holiday, guys, and thanks for listening as always. I hope you enjoyed the uh, interview with Chris and Adam. I wish I could have been there, but I know Chris did a great job, and I, I bet it's going to be you know exciting and enlightening to listen to. Absolutely. Happy holidays for sure. Thank you guys for listening. We're going to try to line up a bunch more interviews for, for this offseason, keep this somewhat regular. Pat's going to keep us in with the wrestling. Um, I've been following apparently a huge win. What was it, last week? I saw all kinds of tweets. So we definitely there, want to there was some big stuff happening. Yeah. So we will do a full episode on that coming up soon as well. Pat will give you all the inside info. Other than that, enjoy your holidays. Check us out on Twitter, on Instagram. Thank you guys for the support. We are. We now welcome on a very special guest hailing originally from Cedar Cliff High School in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. He was a top tight end prospect in the 2013 class, committed to Penn State and had a Stellar freshman season, earning some true freshman All-America honors uh, via Wikipedia. I hope that's accurate. Battled some unfortunate injuries, but said, you can't keep me down. Graduate transfer to UMass to finish his eligibility and casually put up back-to-back All-American seasons, leaving the country in receptions for a tight end. Ladies and gentlemen, Adam Brenneman. Hey, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for taking some time, man. And uh before we get started here, I, uh, I have to uh, actually have to apologize to you. I want to publicly apologize in front of our, our millions of listeners. Uh, when we were when we were setting this this conversation up, uh, we were talking on Twitter, and for some reason, at one point, I said, "Hey Pat, what time works for you?" Um, <laughs> I want I want to say that was an autocorrect, maybe a, a subconscious slip. My, my co-host <laughs> name is Pat, but I, I thought it was over at that point. So thank you for for getting I, over that and I, still I, coming on. I, yeah. I, I actually forgot about that, so thank you for reminding me. Uh, but <laughs> cool, man. Well, yeah, you, you, uh, you yeah. Well, you, 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 I think it was like a Tuesday night. You probably had too many beers or something. So yeah, yeah, that's probably right. the case. So yeah. glad we could get past that. Um, you're actually our, our first guest ever, uh, real guest at least. We had uh, we did a crossover episode with a, an Ohio State podcast. But as far as people that matter, you are our first guest. So congrats. It's obviously a big honor. Oh, you know, you have a lot of them, but happy you're here. Uh, we are recording this on Tuesday, December 18th. So we are actually just one day away from early signing day. And I actually wanted to start there with recruiting. Um, like I mentioned, you were, you were a top recruit coming out of high school, a, a top-ranked tight end, depending on what service you look at. You were number one, two, or three. And I love recruiting as as a Penn State fan. It's it's fun to watch the journeys, and you know I think over the last you know several years it's gotten really really popular and and in the public eye. Um, but wanted to get a little bit of insight into what your process was like from you know the time that coaches start noticing you to the time that you really blow up and and make a decision. What is what does that look like from your eyes? Yeah, well I'll start off by saying this: there's there's no one as a Penn State fan. It, there, there's no 
better school to follow recruiting-wise than Penn State and James Franklin because there is not a better recruiter in the country uh, than James Franklin, and, and he's done. I mean, the job he's done recruiting has been really remarkable. Uh, I mean, the, the classes he's put together, and uh, I think tomorrow's going to be a good day for Penn State. Uh, from Well, I don't follow recruiting probably as closely as you do, um, but I do see the what comes across Twitter and and things of that nature. So I, I think uh, it's definitely fun to follow recruiting as a Penn State fan. Uh, but but uh, as far as my process, I mean, it, it was a, a whirlwind of a few a few years. Mine started early. It started after my freshman season. My first offer was Boston College. Uh, I re- remember I visited Boston College. I was like 15 or 16 years old. Uh, Boston College offered me, and I looked at my dad and told him I wanted to commit right away. Oh, wow. Um, uh, he told me to, to hold tight, and uh, thankfully I did. So, uh, but I mean, it was it was a, a crazy process from uh, you know hanging out with Nick Saban and Urban Meyer and uh, Bill O'Brien at the time. You know, I started off getting recruited by Joe Paterno, and then uh, you know Mike McQuarrie was my recruiter. Um, okay, so I got to know him really well, and, and went through all that. Uh, Bill O'Brien came and kind of fell in love with him, and the and Penn State. I always was a Penn State fan, but you know Bill O'Brien was kind of what sold me on on Penn State and. Uh, my, my only regret in my recruiting process was that I didn't wait and take all of my official visits before I committed. I, I, I really – I committed my junior year. So, by, back then, you couldn't take official visits until your senior year of high school. So, I really got one official visit, which was Penn State, which was a great time. But, you know, in hindsight, I kind of wish I would have, uh, you know, visited, like, Hawaii and, yeah. and, and, and Miami and uh, Florida State. And Stanford, I, I kind of wish I would have done that whole uh, official visit, you know, get, every, get everything paid for and go on all these trips to these uh, different schools. Yeah, that doesn't sound too bad at all. Um, so, so being from Pennsylvania, obviously, does, does Penn State sort of get that, that hometown discount? Were you kind of waiting on that offer as all the others started to roll in? Yeah, I mean, so it's funny. I, I got a bunch of offers, and Penn State refused to offer me until they – saw me in camp so they wanted to they wanted me to come into camp this was when joe paterno was still there mm-hmm. um and so literally at this point i had offers from alabama like florida state uh, notre dame but like everyone in america had offered me except for penn state and i like grew up a penn state fan and penn state kept saying to me like listen we're gonna offer you we just want to see you in person so long story short this is kind of a funny story i go you know, Mike McQuarrie calls me he's like hey we need you to come to camp just so we can offer you you know it's kind of a process we have here so, well, you know, they have these summer football camps. This is after my sophomore year of high school. Uh, they have these these uh, these football camps that, that, that high school prospects can go to. Well, I couldn't go to any of the high school prospect camps. I had to go to, uh, I, you know, I had like a 707 or, or practice that day. I, I, ended up, I, I couldn't go to the high school camps. Okay. So I, I, I called McQuarrie, and I was like, listen, I need to go to I, – I need a Penn State offer. Like, it's ridiculous. You guys have an offer me. Uh and uh, so long story short, he's like, well, well, why don't you come to one of the youth football camps we have? Because legally, you can come to the youth football camp and still work out for us um, under NCAA rules. You know, you can't go work out just any time. It has to be at a camp. Right. So long story short, I show up to the, I think it was like third through fifth grade uh, youth football camp at Penn State. And I'm literally at this camp going through warm-ups as a five-star recruit. <laughs> uh, at the middle school football camp at Penn State. So literally at this, at this, uh, like the whole Penn State staff, Jay Paterno, Larry McQuarrie, Galen Hall, Tom Bradley, Larry Johnson are at this little kids camp watching me work out with these little kids until, until they pull me to the side and I kind of do my own thing with all the coaches, you know, run routes and McQuarrie's throwing me passes and, um, all the coaches are watching at this literally like you, you got like the, the parents there of these little kids are taking pictures. The kids are like, what the hell's going on? It was, <laughs> it was, it was honestly like a sight to see. Um, but eventually after that camp, I got offered by Penn state. So that was my story of, uh, my youth football camp, uh, when I was, you know, a six foot five, 220 pound, uh, tight end working out with second graders. <laughs> well, shit, that's a long-winded way to uh, to get there, but we're we're happy you did it and happy you ended up with us. Uh, I was looking back at, at that class, that 2013 class, and it's crazy. I didn't realize how loaded it was in, in the tight end class. You look at some of the names there um, kind of up at that top of the rankings with you. It's it's you, O.J. Howard, Hunter Henry, Marcus Baugh, yeah. Jake 
But I mean, it was you know a lot of those guys are playing in the NFL now. That's that's pretty impressive, you know, for you for you to be a, a top guy in that class. Uh, you know, you listed off some of the names, over 30 offers. I, I looked up. It's you know every blue blood in the country, and you know to come down to a, a little kids camp to, to to show your worth, so to say, at Penn State, man, that's a, that's a wild yeah, story. It was, but. It, it was great, and I, I remember you bring up OJ Howard. I remember the day that OJ Howard passed me in the. Uh, in the uh, Rivals.com rankings, I was not oh, a happy wow. camper that day. I mean, they ended up being totally correct in their uh, in their in their rankings. But I remember OJ Howard was always behind me, and then and then passed me one day, and I was I was not a happy camper. But OJ is a good friend of mine. All those guys, I mean, you know, he, that, that class, you know, Hunter Henry's obviously one of the best in the NFL. Was hurt this year, but um, even you know Jake Butt had a great career and still playing. So I mean, you know, there, there's a lot of a lot of good talent in that class. Yeah, now is that something that you guys kind of keep in touch? Like, do you do you get to know each other while you're on, you know, the camp circuit and the All America games and things like that? Yeah, and you know, I got to know a lot of those. Guys. I got to revisit with those guys kind of during the, uh, you know, my process when I left UMass. Um, you know, I was I, I kind of knew that my career may be over because of how bad my knee was, but um, I still got, you know, I was at the Senior Bowl and I was at, you know, all these pre pre draft visits and. Um, so I got to kind of revisit with a lot of those guys that I got to know um, through the recruiting process. And, you know, I was a counselor at the opening this past year, um, which oh, was nice. pretty cool, and, and got to see uh, – and got, for those of you who don't know, the opening is like Nike's elite um, high school football camp, and they bring some of the top college players in to kind of coach the high school kids. So got to coach the tight ends there. Um, and, you know, O.J. was there as well. And uh, a bunch of those guys I, I you know, hadn't seen in a while. Uh, were there, so it was it was a that was a cool experience, and um, you know had a, had a good time out in Oregon. Yeah, that's awesome. The opening is is I mean it looks like football heaven, even from a casual football it fan. Is, it, I, uh, it is, it, it's unbelievable. It's it's ridiculous how how amazing that event is that they put on. Yeah, and I, I think like I said before, you know, recruiting itself has progressed so much over the last I would say even you know five six years since since you were going through it. And I think social media is a big part of that, right? Twitter has just kind of exploded to the point where you're seeing like fully produced videos, recruiting commitment videos from Bleacher Report and all these you know big sites. Do you think that attention is is good for these kids and, and their exposure, or do you think you know it kind of gets to the ego too much? Yeah, I think it's it's tough. You know, when when you are a five star blue chip recruit that everyone in the world's talking about, uh, it, it is hard to walk into a college football locker room um, and kind of gain the respect of your teammates. I mean, I you know it was hard for me. It's, it was hard for you know uh, guys that I know that were that, you know at Penn State when they came in. You know, when 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 someone comes in who you know thinks they're all that, and the media tells them how great they are, and the coaches spend three years recruiting them, and uh, they commit and, you know, they go viral. You know, it's tough when you walk into a locker room uh, with guys that have been there and have worked hard to kind of gain that respect. And, um, you know, because once you're there, I mean, you know, you haven't done anything and no one cares how many stars you had. I'll never forget my first team meeting at Penn State, uh, my very first one. I enrolled, I enrolled early in January 2013. Uh, Bill O'Brien was the head coach. And it's uh, the first meeting of spring practice, I think it was, or spring workouts. And um, Coach O'Brien is going around the room, kind of calling guys out to get him motivated. He comes to me and he says, Brian, I don't give a damn how many stars you have. I don't care how many offers you had. You haven't done anything yet. You've done nothing. You think Syracuse cares how many stars you had? And Syracuse was obviously who we played that year at the first game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and that was, that, that was my welcome to Penn State and welcome to college football. After Bill O'Brien had spent, you know, a year telling me how great I was and how much he loved me and how much he wanted me on his team. My first meeting, he's telling me he doesn't care how many stars I have. Uh, but he's true. You know, no one cares once you get to college. Yeah, absolutely. That script flips very quickly, and, you know, you kind of got to earn it again, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, and if you don't earn it, you know, there's, uh, you know, the, the best players play, whether you're a walk-on or a five-star. And I, I always hate that, you know, when you hear guys say, oh, the coach didn't like me very much. You know, like, you know, if you were good, the coach would like you. Yeah, results speak, right? You know, what you're, what you're actually putting out exactly. on the field, that's, yeah. that's what happens. So, so let's jump into your playing days a bit. Um, you kind of mentioned Bill O'Brien. Obviously, you know, you came into to Penn State during a time that was obviously, you know, pretty pretty tumultuous. Obviously, the scandal uh, had happened uh, around that time. And we've talked about it on, on the podcast uh, a couple times before. And, of course, always always acknowledging the, the crimes of the past and, and, you know, thoughts and prayers to the, to the victims and, you know, the people that were involved in that. We obviously believe they should – be punished rightfully so, um, but without going down that rabbit hole too far, um, 
obviously that that had to be some sort of a factor that you thought about was was that part of the conversation with Bill O'Brien was that something that he talked on or was he trying to focus more just on football saying hey this is you know this is where we're going this is the team obviously all of that is terrible but let's keep the focus there yeah I mean definitely I mean that was such a big part of my life and my um you know, my recruitment and my career was kind of around that whole scandal, just, yeah. um, you know, th- things that we had no control over. Um, it's kind of how I gained some notoriety in, in the college football world just because of the commitment that me and some of the other guys made to that school, to Penn State. Uh, you know, it, it was it was tough. It was a time, uh, you know, I was already committed. Uh, I, so I, for the timeline purposes, I committed after – the scandal came out, um, mm-hmm. but before the sanction. So, so we had no, we knew about the scandal. Um, we knew about the, you know, I think they had, they had made an arrest at that point already, but yeah, so the, so like I said, the, uh, the, I committed after the scandal was out, no sanctions yet. Uh, you know, so we're, we're committed. We're on cloud nine, you know, that our recruiting class, you mentioned it, but I mean, you know, we had, uh, some pretty stacked commits in that 2013 recruiting class. If you remember, we had, uh, Ryan Switzer was one of, uh, I'm not sure if he had committed at that point, but almost had him committed. I mean, we had a lot of guys on that. Um, Dorian Johnson, who got drafted last year was an offensive tackle commit. Um, so we had a lot of, a lot of good players on that, in that class. Um, and then the sanctions come out and obviously, uh, we lose a lot of those players. Um, you know, it was a, it was a tough time. It was a tough time for Penn State. It was a tough time for uh, to be a recruit um, because basically, you know, you're you're uh, you know, you immediately find out that you know you can't play in a bowl game. Your team's going to lose scholarships. Everyone's going to transfer out of the school. You know, they're uh, you know, if you remember, they, they were saying that Penn State wouldn't be able to field a football team for five yeah. years. Yeah. Um, and you know, so it, it, it was tough. And I'll never forget Coach O'Brien calling me and saying, "Hey." Before you do anything, just come up to State College. You know, it's an hour and a half drive for you, and come and come meet with me. Come talk to me face to face, and let and let's let's figure out what the best thing for you is. Um, at that point, I think uh, O'Brien, you know, his instincts of a as not just a coach, but like you know, as a father, and as you know, like what do we do? What do I do about these kids? You know, these kids committed to me, and you know, is it even the best place for them to be? Um, you know, and I'll never forget, we had a, we had a day at Penn State where, you know, me, I, I went up, my family, Hackenberg, Garrett Sickles, Brendan Mann, uh, you know, you name the, the, the commit, and we were all there and met with Coach O'Brien, and uh, it was really an emotional day. Uh, this was probably a week after the sanctions came out, um, and he kind of told us that, you know, the, the core of the team was going to stay, Mike Malley was staying, Zordich was staying. Uh, McGowan was staying, and, uh, you know, we decided we were going to stay as well. And that was kind of when we decided, um, you know, that we were all going to stay. You know, at that point, to be honest, we had all talked to other schools. We had talked to, uh, you know, me, Hack, and Garrett, and, you know, we were on a conference call talking about going to, uh, you know, Florida or Ole Miss, you know, who would take all of us together. Um, and it wasn't until that meeting that we kind of said, hey, like, you know, this is a chance to be a part of a healing process and to be a part of something bigger than just ourselves. And that, and that was our uh, – kind of the moment that we decided to stay at Penn State. Yeah, man, it's super interesting to hear sort of the behind the scenes and how, how that all worked. And again, as, as fans, I was, you know, I'm a, I'm a graduate of Penn State. I was, I was a senior in 2012 when that was all happening. So obviously, you know, kind of very much in the mix of it. And I think as from the fan perspective, we look at it as there's three kind of distinct phases to, again, talking football only, how Penn State's football has kind of gotten back and the first one yeah. is is you mentioned that Maudi and Zordich there's that iconic video of them addressing the media saying they're sticking around and they're they're staying that was sort of phase one uh phase two is, is you guys it's, it's you Hackenberg Sickles man all the guys you just mentioned uh O'Brien included in that um you know that kind of showed hey this is still a place that you can come and, and you can succeed and I think O'Brien especially um you know there were there were fans some fans I think probably a, a loud minority who were pissed that he left for the NFL Man, you can't thank him enough yeah. for what he did in, in keeping you guys and keeping the team together. And then, uh, you yeah. know, we're kind of seeing the third phase now is, is the guys who are finishing it out. You know, the Saquon and Trace and Kabinda and Godwin and Marcus Allen. I mean, the, the list goes on with these guys who are now seeing the on-field success because of what you guys did. So, hey, man, on behalf of the fans, appreciate what, what you guys did, and, and it was awesome watching you there. Yeah, and, I, and I, you know, I, I was on a – I was on a uh radio show a couple of weeks ago and was saying this i mean I, I, it's amazing to me i mean you know you watch a penn state game now no one talks about where this program came from um you know five years ago i mean 
there was literally a point where people said, uh, you know, the analysts and the pundits and said that Penn State wouldn't even be able to compete in the Big Ten or Division One for a decade. Uh, they said that we'd be a Division Three program, and um, there's going to be a max exodus from the program. Uh, it, it is it's pretty remarkable, and I don't think that enough people talk about it now from where that program came. I mean, losing the amount of scholarships we, we lost and not playing in bowl games. I mean, you can't imagine how hard it is to recruit when you can't play in a bowl game. Um, oh, absolutely. So it, it, I, I, I don't think that Bill O'Brien gets enough credit. Um, you know, he, he saved that program. I don't think that there's another coach in the country that probably could have saved that program. And I also have said that I don't think there's another school in the country, maybe a fan base like Notre Dame, but I don't think there's another school in the country that could endure what Penn State did and come out on the other end like we have. Um, and it's pretty, it's pretty special. And um, Coach Franklin deserves all the credit in the world. You know, I, I know he gets criticism sometimes for, you know, this or that. But, I mean, you know, you, you, there is not a coach in college football history that has ever had to walk in to a locker room or a situation or a program like Coach Franklin had to. I mean, there's the scenario and the circumstances he had to take on when he got there with the lack of scholarships and the the players on the team. I mean, you know, that that locker room Coach Franklin got there did not want Coach Franklin to be there. I mean, it was it, there was a a wall up in that locker room saying, you know, you don't know what we've been through, you don't know where we've come from, um, and you're not going to tell us how to do things. And and the the fact that he was able to break that down and connect with his players and recruit the way he has and come out the other side, I think he deserves all the credit in the world, too. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And we, we talk about that all the time. There are some, you know, just ridiculous fans who are, are screaming, fire Franklin, because we lost three games. Like, yeah, it sucks to lose three games when, when we have, you know, national championship expectations. But why do yeah. we have national championship expectations? Because he was able to get us back there. So it's, uh, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's amazing. It's like, you know, the uh, it's, it, we should just be thankful we're, we're pissed off about losses to Ohio State and Michigan. Yes, absolutely. Completely agree. Um, so you get in your freshman year, like I mentioned, you had you know a really strong freshman year. I remember watching you finish, finish strong with, I think it was three games in a row with a touchdown. Um, I remember watching that, that Wisconsin game, and I think I read a stat. It's the longest, longest touchdown by a tight end in Penn State history. Uh, Hackenberg hits you on a rollout. Yep. You run off and... I mean, I remember watching as a fan and thinking, you know, holy shit, this is this is the start of something. This is happening. Uh, what was that moment like for you to kind of see see you know that gamble pay off and to see you guys starting putting things together? It was awesome. I mean, there there is not a better feeling than walking off that field after the Wisconsin game. And you know, I had uh, I had you know the the game of you know best game of my season then, and you know we had just beaten Wisconsin as twenty some point underdogs and. Uh, you know, Coach Franklin gave me the game ball after the game, and it was there was there was we were on top of the world, and it's amazing to think about. Um, you know, after that game, I remember Coach O'Brien uh, came over to me as we were walking off the field and kind of put his arm around me and said something like, "You know, I'm so excited for our future together," something to those to that extent. And uh, you know, isn't it crazy to think about? Uh, you know, Coach O'Brien would never coach another game at Penn State, and. Uh, I would never catch another pass at Penn State walking off that field uh, in 2013 after the Wisconsin game. So it's amazing how life throws twists and turns at you. Yeah, absolutely. And and so you mentioned that was sort of the last game for you. Did you when did the injury start? Did you know like during that time that it was coming? Was it something in the off season? When did when did the knee stuff start for you? No. So it ended up being that off season. Um, so I actually um, hurt my knee during that game. So I had a minor uh, fell on my knee. It wasn't that bad. Um, but that game it had happened. Uh, I played on it the rest of the game. Ended up then coming back for spring practice once Coach Franklin came in uh, and hurt it even more. Um, and that was when I kind of realized that I was going to miss a season. So that, that's kind of when I decided to redshirt that season. Right. Um, it was kind of difficult to miss that second season when I was, you know, had all those expectations and, um, you know, and then that recovery from the surgery I had, you know, I had, I had what's called an OATS procedure on my knee. It's a really complicated, um, cartilage surgery. Um, you know, when I had that knee surgery, they told me that, you know, it's a hard recovery and there's a chance that, you know, you may not come back. And it, I, I felt that's what had happened, um, after two seasons where I basically, you know, couldn't play. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, again, you know, having sort of the hype that you had, having the expectations and then, you know, being told because of medical, you can't. So, couple of rough years, but, you know, a couple of years go by and he starts feeling better and, and you're able to graduate transfer to UMass. 
Um, what did that process look like? Is that something that you had thought about for a while? Did it just sort of pop up? Where what led you to uh, to UMass? So I I um had gone through those two years and it was really it was really t- I mean just emotionally and mentally it was draining, um, especially with all the hype that had built up. Not just you know the hype from the recruiting process, the hype from the Penn State community from staying staying with Penn State during the scandal, the hype from my freshman season. Um, it was tough. You know, every press conference that happened, I, I you know I would turn around and someone was asking Franklin about me and. Um, you know, it was it was it was difficult, you know, to walk around campus knowing that you know you're not really contributing to the team, and um, you kind of feel like you're a letdown. Um, even though I had no control over it, it was difficult. Um, and then, you know, so I, I then actually, you know, if, if you remember, I, I I briefly retired. I I really thought I was yep. done playing after that. Yep. I I wrote a letter on Penn Live and um, was you know moved back home and started working. Um, I, I finished my degree early in three years and kind of just left after that. It was December 2015. I graduated and, and, and told Franklin I was going to move on. Um, and he was so supportive during that process. But, you know, for a few months, I really didn't work out. I did nothing, and my knee started to feel better. So, you know, this came about because, I don't know if you remember, one of our, you know, I think it was like our four-string quarterback is, was named Austin Whipple. My yep. uh, Austin Whipple was there my freshman year and sophomore year. Um, his dad is Mark Whipple, who was a longtime quarterbacks coach, NFL quarterbacks coach, um, and was then the head coach at UMass. Um, so I got to know the Whipple family really well. Austin was a really good friend of mine and got to know Mark Whipple. Uh, and then when I, my knee started to feel better, you know, Coach Whipple had always said to me, you know, hey, you should transfer to UMass, you should transfer to UMass, we'll throw you the ball 100 times a game. Um, <laughs> you know, kind of, kind of in a joking way, you know, if you ever want to come to UMass, let me know. So yeah. when I was when I was recover when I kind of got better, um, you know what had happened in the meantime was my high school quarterback, um, one of my best friends from high school, his name is Andrew Ford, um, was a quarterback at Virginia Tech and ended up transferring to UMass. Um, this all happened while I was retired for you know six months. Uh, so he's at UMass. Uh, a family friend is a head coach, and also Whipple, who was my roommate at Penn State, one of my best friends, is now at UMass as well. So uh, when I my knee starts to feel better, I call Andrew Ford, and I'm like, hey, what's the tight end situation like at UMass? And he said, you know, you got to come to UMass. You got to come to UMass. And I call Coach Whipple, and, and um, you know, what I needed really was somewhere away from the spotlight, uh, somewhere that would let me, you know, deal with my knee the way I had to, whether that means not practicing as much, whether that means not training as much. Um, so that I needed that, and I needed somewhere. I wanted somewhere that was going to throw me the ball a lot. That's what I wanted to do was catch passes. Uh, and UMass ended up being the perfect fit, and Coach Whipple uh, offered me a scholarship right away, and I was up there uh, for, for summer camp. I ended up never – you know, I, I – was retired for the spring and came back for the summer and um, ended up, you know, having an All-American season that next season. It kind of worked out perfectly for me and and um, was was really really a fun time with you know playing with Andrew Ford, who was my high school quarterback, and playing again in college together and playing for Coach Whipple. And uh, we didn't win many games, but it was uh, it was definitely uh, a fun time. Yeah, I mean the stars just really aligning for you. There. That's pretty awesome. So. I mean, what's what's the biggest difference there? Because obviously you go from Penn State, a, a huge school in the Big Ten, to UMass, who's you know obviously a bit smaller, independent program, 107,000 fans, to what I imagine is, is yeah. a bit smaller. What's is that like a culture shock for you at that point? Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, running on the field at Beaver Stadium versus uh, about 4,000 fans at uh, UMass was was a bit different, but. Um, but I mean, it, 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 you know, listen, football is football. The talents, you know, everyone's talented at that level. You guys, we played big time teams. We played Florida and South Carolina and Tennessee and uh, Georgia. We played big schools. We were an independent, so we had to play whoever wanted to play us, uh, which which was neat. But just from a resource standpoint, you don't have the same resources that Penn State has uh, from a recruiting standpoint, from a from a training standpoint, from a facility standpoint. I mean, you just don't. It's really you can't even compare the two, but um, and, and the, the, the the fans. I mean, there's nothing that's comparable to Penn State fans. Uh, just there's nothing probably in college football that compares. And, and I'll tell you what, I was so amazed at the support I received from Penn State fans. I was a little bit worried about um, you know the reaction from Penn State fans when I transferred to UMass, um, but they had been so supportive and. 
uh, understanding. And I, I, you know, I would get text messages and Twitter messages and tweets and Facebook posts every before every game, after every game from Penn State fans, you know, saying good luck and congratulating me. And uh, it was really a, a humbling experience to see how much support I had from Penn State while I was um, while I was at UMass. And it's funny, actually they used to be able to track uh so they used to stream our games at UMass online and in our sports information department used to be able to track um how many views and where they were coming from to the games online and by far and away Pennsylvania had the most views of UMass football games during our during my two years at Penn State or at, at UMass which was pretty that's neat. incredible that's incredible yeah I mean you know, as I said earlier, things work out for a reason, right? You walk off that field, you and O'Brien never never get to play at Penn State again, but you end up at, at UMass catching passes from your best friend and high school quarterback and, and you know, setting records as back-to-back All-American seasons. I think uh, I think it's a pretty good end to a career that, that you thought was over at one point. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I said this uh, uh, before. I mean, you know, it was, it was crazy to think after my, you know, when I was at UMass ending my college career, it, it's – you know, my college career kind of ended exactly the way everyone thought I was going to as a two-time All-American and um, as a record holder. And it was kind of, a, you know, it took a lot of ups and downs and zigzags along the way. But it, it kind of, in a lot of ways, I felt like I was right where I was supposed to be. Absolutely, man. Uh, one more question on, on that process, because I've always found the grad transfer thing kind of intriguing. Um, and it's, yeah. it's becoming more popular now, especially with quarterbacks. You see quarterbacks transferring all the time after they're done with eligibility, trying to get kind of one last shot. Um, and I've been intrigued especially by how, like, the allegiance or fandom plays out after that. Uh, obviously, it sounds like you still have a great affinity towards Penn State, and I know you're doing some stuff with Penn Live. Uh, one one that I always catch on Twitter, Geno Lewis, uh, wide receiver. I think you guys overlapped a bit. Um, he ended up going to Oklahoma for a year. Um, now he's in the CFL playing up there with Johnny Football, doing awesome stuff, one of my favorite guys. But I always see him tweet yep. a lot more about Oklahoma than Penn State. And, of course, it doesn't really matter, right? Like, I, you know whatever he, he cares about. Um, does, is there like a split for you? Where do you land now? Do you, do you find yourself, you know, supporting both? Do you lean one way or the other? Yeah. I mean, I think because they're both on such different levels, it's easier for me to support both um, without any conflict, really. Uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll always let, I will always be a Penn Stater and, and um, you know, my love for Penn State uh, is obviously pretty evident if you follow me on Twitter or if you uh, follow me at all. Um you know, I, 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 out of anything I've done in my career, from the time at UMass to, uh, you know, what I've done professionally and, uh, you know, playing-wise in high school, I mean, the, the one thing that I will always be able to hang my hat on and what I'm probably most proud of is what we did at Penn State and what we overcame there and the, the odds that were against us and how we kind of helped play a role in that community and program staying together. Um, is by far and away what I'm most proud of and what I what I kind of value the most. Um, and it, with that said, I mean, UMass is what gave me the opportunity to kind of have peace of mind about my football career. Uh, you know, leaving Penn State after being a five-star recruit and only playing one season uh, was difficult. And it, there were a lot of sleepless nights about, you know, you know, am I a bust, you know, feeling like a failure. Uh, and, and even though, you know, I didn't get to play in the NFL because of my knee, um, my two years at UMass kind of have helped me, you know, give me peace of mind and say, you know, I had done everything I possibly could for my football career and I had a great run um, and have a lot to show for it. Uh, and it's kind of helped me help me sleep better at night knowing that. And uh, I'll always be very thankful for, for UMass, for, uh, to Coach Whipple, to the people there, to the friends I made, to the teammates. I mean, it, it, that, that'll always hold a very special place Um to me that's a it's a great school and uh and i'm very very thankful for them yeah that's awesome man i'm really really glad it worked out for you that way uh so let's finish up with some thoughts on on this current season penn state uh mentioned it earlier it's funny from a fan's perspective there's somewhat disappointing at nine and three right because we we are at the point where we we feel like we are a championship contender um but definitely some bright spots this, this year with guys like kj hamler uh, Yeter Gross Matos, Micah Parsons, Pat Fryermuth, the young tight end. Uh, what's your biggest positive takeaway from this season as you look at the team as they are and, and kind of, you know, how the whole season unfolded? Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think it's been as disappointing as as, as we say it is. I mean, 
I don't really think there was anyone beginning of the season thinking we had a national championship team. I mean, we lost a lot of players, uh, especially on defense. And, you know, you lose your leaders on defense like Cabinda and Marcus Allen and all those guys. I mean, it's tough to replace that on defense. And, uh, you know, even on offense, I mean, you lose Saquon Barkley. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, he may be the best player in the NFL right now. So, I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, I I don't think anyone thought we were going to win a national championship. Um, Maybe some of the fans did, who knows. But uh, anyone who is realistic, I'll say. Uh, I don't think we were winning a national championship. And, you know, losing to Michigan, you know, we'll probably lose – you know, we were going to lose to them nine times out of ten. Ohio State is a tough one to swallow just because, you know, I, it, there's really – you watch that whole game, there's no excuse for losing that game. Yeah. Um, and Michigan State was tough just because you can't lose to Michigan State at home um, ever. So, I mean, it, it, those were disappointing. Um at the same time, I think, you know, where Coach Franklin has this program at right now is pretty remarkable. You got um, a lot of – we got to play a lot of young guys. I mean, young receivers are playing freshmen everywhere. Um, you look at the D-line, Gross Matos has a chance to be one of the best players uh, in the Big Ten, uh, if not the nation. Uh, you know, you got Miles Sanders, who we'll see what he does. Um, but, you know, has a chance if he comes back to be probably one of the top returning running backs in the country. Uh, you know, hopefully, you know, we're going to see the Tommy Stevens show take off here a little bit. And, and yep. uh, Tom, Tommy's a good friend of mine. He's been hyping himself up a little bit on Instagram and Twitter. So uh, <laughs> he, he's got big shoes to fill. I, I think he tweeted a picture of the Heisman Trophy the other day. So oh, um, I love so the he, confidence. So, he, yeah, he, he if Tommy is not short on confidence, which is what you want in a quarterback, I guess. But yeah, uh, I, I'm, but I'm excited, man. They, 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 this team's got a bright future, and, and Coach Franklin's building the foundation the right way, and um, he's creating buy-in from all his players. And uh, I, I'm, I'm excited for the future. It's, it's going to be a, uh, I, I think 2019 is going to be a good season for Penn State. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, what'd you think of Pat Fryer, most young tight end freshman, kind of came out and you know all America honors all over the place. I'll tell you what I tweeted uh, is Fryer is better than Gasicki already, and the fans did not like that. I was getting a lot of backlash for that <laughs> from the, on my Twitter. Um, but I'll tell you what, Pat Pat puts my freshman season and Mike's freshman season. You combine Mike and I's freshman seasons, I don't even think we're close to Fryer's. So, um, so it, he, he he's a he's a special player. You know, he's not quite the athlete that Mike is, but he's physical and he's big and he catches the ball. He runs well. Um, I mean, he, he'll be an NFL tight end, uh, in a few years. Hopefully we can keep him for, for his whole career. But, um, but, you know, he's kind of been the focal point of that offense in the red zone and, uh, has, has definitely been, you know, it, 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 it's amazing. You know, the tight end position, which went into the season, probably one of the biggest weaknesses on the team is really turned into a position of strength. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, Trace Trace found that sort of comfortability with him and, and he became sort of a tough target, which was just yeah. awesome to see from a fan's perspective. So yeah, really excited to see for the Quills and, and I agree, I think next year's gonna be gonna be a good year for Penn State. So we'll finish up with some rapid fire questions here for you. Um just a couple to go through of, of bowl season and kinda of how we're ending here. So uh we have the Citrus Bowl uh up against Kentucky. Uh they have obviously a couple of draft prospects and Josh Allen, Benny. Now, should be a decent matchup. Uh, early prediction, who do you got in this game? Well, that's an easy question for me. I mean, <laughs> it's a, it, it, this is a tough game because, listen, if we beat Kentucky, everyone says, well, you should have beaten Kentucky. And if you lose, it's like the worst loss in the world. So yep. uh, so we're not in a good place to be. But I, I, I think Penn State pulls it out. And uh, Kentucky has a really good tight end. C.J. Conrad is a good friend of mine as well. And, and uh, he'll, he'll uh, get drafted this uh this uh this off season. Very nice. Uh guys sitting out bowl games, especially top draft prospects, are you for it or against it? Uh, you know, I'm against it, but I mean at the end of the day, I mean at this point it is all a business and uh I don't blame anyone for um trying to make as much money as they can or or protect their career because uh you only get to play this game for so long and uh and you know, all the hard work you, you, you do makes it feel a lot better when you can make a lot of money doing it. So I'll never bash someone for sitting on a bowl game. I I wouldn't do it personally, but, um, you know, every player can decide what's best for them and their families. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Do you think any of our guys declare early, the names thrown around are Miles, Sharif, Connor? Uh, Do you think any of our guys leave for the NFL uh, after this season? I I would say most of them probably do. I mean, that's the trend we're seeing. Uh, 
uh, more and more. I think Miles probably does, and I don't. Uh, I'll preface this with saying I, I have not talked to any of these guys, and I have no idea what they're going to do. I was um, going to say, if you want to break some news, you can do that. Yeah, I, 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 I have not <laughs> talked to any of those guys at all. Fair, um, fair. So I, I, I do not have any inside information. I think I, I, if I had to predict it, I'd think Miles probably declares. Um, I probably think he should. Um, I, you know, my just from my experience, I think that when when you have a chance to get drafted. Uh, I think you take the shot and go for it. Um, you know, it's in some guys love college and love and love the program, and that that's that, that's a good good reason to stay as well. But when you got a chance to get paid and cash in um, guaranteed money, uh, I, I think you uh, I, th- I think you got to do it. Yeah, it's a it's a hard one to argue. Obviously, we would love all those guys back, but yet you have to understand this. They do it. And finally, last question: Who do you got winning the whole thing? Who's winning the playoff? Uh, that's it's that was tough. Um, you know, I want to root for Notre Dame just because everyone counts them out. But I mean, I don't see how Alabama doesn't win the whole thing. Yeah, I know. I know. That's that's probably a pretty lame answer saying Alabama, but um, I, I I I would never bet against Nick Saban. Yeah, I, I mean, you got a good chance to be right when you pick Alabama. So I don't <laughs> yeah, right. Blame at all. <laughs> Uh, well, awesome, Adam. Thank you so much for joining us, man. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, what are you up to now? Where can the people find you? Yeah, so I, I work in uh, in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania right now. I'm working for a uh, marketing and political consulting firm. So, um, you know, working hard and, uh, you know, just trying to make ends meet, man, like like the rest of uh, the rest of America. Absolutely. And I saw you were doing some stuff with uh, Penn Live this year, doing some, like, video uh, recaps and whatnot. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I, I'm kind of dabbling in the world of broadcasting as well. So um, hopefully you'll see more of me uh, this uh, this coming year. And yeah, Penn Live's been fun. Been recapping each Penn State game. We'll have a new one out this week as well. So uh, yeah, it's been fun, and I've enjoyed coming on the show. But I'll have to come on again another time. Yeah, absolutely. You have an open invite uh, for all of our listeners. You can find them on Twitter Adam Brenneman eighty one. Adam, thanks so much, man. You have a great day. Thank you so much.